Hello, and welcome to Energy Levelized. I'm Morgan. And I'm Bill, and we're your hosts. Energy Levelized is a glimpse behind the scenes, a chance to hear from the passionate personalities behind the mountains of research the Enverse Intelligence team puts out on the energy space. For those that aren't familiar with Enveris, we're an energy SaaS firm that is influencing the world's most important energy decisions by connecting an industry through intelligence, data analytics, and smart network technologies. We invite you to join us as we have fun, unscripted, and honest conversations tackling the toughest questions in energy. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Energy Levelized, a special Enveris podcast. So Bill and I today are joined by Mark Chapman and Jonathan Goodwin for a discussion on OFS cost inflation. So whether you're feeling the effects of inflation in your personal life, you know, we're reading it in the headlines a lot today, um, it's for certain that it's also having an impact on upstream oil and gas activity. So excited to have, have these guys here today. Yep, thanks, Morgan. Mark and John cover the oil field services and supply industries for Inveris Intelligence. Combined, they have over 25 years of energy experience, spending much of their time within the completion side of the OFS industry. They sit in Houston and tend to be our boots on the ground, eyes and ears for what activity is doing in one of the most talked about plays in the world. So welcome, Mark and John. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having us. Yep. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Morgan. Okay. So let's dive straight in here. Um, first of all, the obvious opening question is, we're hearing a great deal about uh, shortages of OFS equipment, uh, crews, rigs, so on and so forth. How did we get to this this point and, and what does it mean going forwards? So, um, you know, this has been a long time coming. You know, a lot of people tend to think that the world started or, or the current situation started um, with the COVID pandemic or potentially just with the Russia and Ukraine, but really... Um, the service sector has been in dire straits for, for quite a long time. Margins never quite came back to the pre-2015-16 downturn levels. Um, and so through a lot of that time period, there, were, there was actually quite a, a lack of investment in, in new equipment. There was a lot of idle equipment that, that ended up having to be sitting on yards. So they were using spare parts from those. And, and really, it's been a, you know, a long time coming that we just haven't been reinvesting in the service sector uh, at large in order to keep, you know, a healthy supply of rigs and crews and spare parts and materials available um, or the capacity to ramp back up for quite some time. More recently, the the global supply chains have really impacted the sector. Um, Inflation for goods that we need to manufacture products or or even um, the chemicals. So crude is a a feedstock for, for a lot of the chemicals we're using. You know, iron is a feedstock for, for a lot of the equipment and in pipe. And then this is a very people intensive as, as you know, oil field services implies is that, that this is the people portion of, of the industry. Yeah, Mark, I was going to ask you about that, actually. Do you, I mean, do you think um, OFS is a less attractive employer than it used to be? Do you think people have moved out of the sector for good or do you think it's just cyclical like everything else? Um, I think a little bit cyclical. So, you know, in rural areas, you know, somewhere like the Permian Basin, we're, we're as active as we've ever been. Um, so it's not surprising that we've outstripped the local labor supply there. Um, just more in general across 
North America, you hear that that there's a challenge getting enough truckers because a lot of the truckers have gone from short haul, local, um, not very good hours to long haul, um, or even you know competing with the likes of like Amazon. John, do you want to add something to that? Yeah, I would say like if we look at if we look at the pandemic, right? Like pandemic was almost the straw that that broke the camel's back. Mark kind of gave you the background of of how we got here with the tight margins and everybody trying to economize and and then we hit the pandemic and activity shut down and OFS companies in some cases you know had to lay off or furlough or or let go of of 75% of their workforce and so and we've had all of these violent swings in the past call it you know 5 to 8 years that we've gone through and and the OFS companies have have tended to overreact on both sides of the swing on the up and the down they've overhired they've overfired and and people are tired of of that cycle they're tired of that lifestyle and and when the pandemic hit and housing and and construction and other markets came back a little bit quicker than oil and gas did i think we saw a lot of exodus of of your typical blue collar labor workforce into those areas of of the economy and and they said you know what like i'm just going to i'm going to find something that i feel like is more stable um, at this point in time and so so that's one of the biggest challenges that we hear is is the time to staff up an, a new frat crew much less the time to build one uh, you know, the time to staff that up, the time to get people on board. It's one of their biggest challenges has been to bring back people to actually run the assets that they do have available um, to stick back out in the field. So so would you say that, you know, looking at the span of shortages that OFS industry faces today, it's the people that are probably going to be the biggest challenge to overcome? Or I would, is it yeah, more so on the equipment side? Like, I would say that, that, that people is transitory. Because the like what OFS will do is they will offer larger and larger salaries. As their margins come back, they'll offer larger and larger salaries that will attract new people back into it. If we face a recession and energy's good, which is some of the things that happened kind of, you know, in the in the lead up to twenty fourteen, right? Is you have two thousand eight and then all of that time period where energy was it was relatively high. Uh, compared to the general economy is is that was what attracted a lot of people into the industry in the first place was was that downturn. So if we face a recession, I think that it'll be transitory and people will come back into it because there will be good money to be made there. So, yeah, as it sits right now, really our assets are, are our biggest limiting factor. I would say that we're approaching really being sold out of frack equipment. The drill side is getting very tight, as Mark mentioned. It's it's trucking, it's sand, it's it's all of these things. But uh, you know, and some of these are are more transitory than others. But particularly frat capacity, it's it's going to take you know a year to a year and a half to to build up extra capacity to the point that it might even alleviate just some of the supply shortage uh, of those particular assets. So we hear that um, OCTG, which is all country tubular goods seem to be badly impacted by these these uh, supply chain problems. So um, what's what's going on there? So it's a couple folds. So so some of the raw materials, the the prices just increased um, quite drastically um, in the past two years. So so iron ore is a field feedstock for the steel. Um, steel is the feedstock for the tubular goods. And we only have so much North American capacity, and we're getting to the point, or actually we've passed the point of domestic um, supplies. 
And so now we're starting to have to see more of the imported um, tubular goods coming in. You know, then, then, and this is all happening prior to Ukraine and Russia. And then we are getting to the point where we are starting to call that, okay, I wouldn't sign long-term contracts. We believe that the price should be easing. We've already seen iron ore come down in the third quarter of 2021. We started to see steel come down towards the fourth quarter. So we were expecting OCTG's prices to start to ease at about, you know, late first quarter, early second quarter. And then Russia happened and, you know, Ukraine and, and Russia together supply like 50% of the pig iron. Um, we actually get a significant amount of our, our OCTG imports from Russia and Ukraine. So so something like the last time we were at the current levels of, of consumption, 20% of our imports in the U.S. came from um, Ukraine and Russia, actually. And that's that's pretty significant. And now that the rest of the the, the globe isn't using this either, other people are starting to compete with um, the U.S. for like South Korean pipe, and then in India, um, and other Southeast uh, Asian countries that 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 we normally could go to, they're you know everybody's competing for that same pipe now that used to use Russia and Ukrainian OCTG. Gotcha. Talking about increasing uh, prices, are they increasing for everyone? Um, I guess, are there some operators or areas of the industry that might be a little bit protected from this? And, and how high could these prices go? There is a little bit of have and have nots. So the operators with scale that can keep quite a few rigs running, enough rigs to keep frat crews full are definitely doing better. The ones that have longer term planning, longer term contracts are, are certainly faring better um, on the long term pricing standpoint. They're getting more stable price. Um, where the smaller mom and pops, the the private EMPs, are the ones that generally don't have enough rigs running to to keep a frac crew running full time. So therefore, they're having to pay high markups in order to get a frac crew just to come to the location. Um, we even heard of a few Canadian frac crews coming down to the Permian Basin to continue to work during the breakup, and they were able to just do single pads for some of those smaller private EMPs who were finally able to get a, a crew that they've been trying to for months. They're paying something, you know, a very large price, like 40 or 50% over what they would have gotten a few months prior. But that was the only way they could get a frat crew to come to their location. So if you don't have the scale, it's going to be more costly and more challenging. And you see that leading edge price for all the goods that we track. If you didn't have it on hand, if you had to buy it on the spot, it, it's pretty high. Like, like we've seen in steel and some of the chemicals, sand there's a big difference in contracted sand prices versus spot market sand prices right now so the haves definitely are are, are doing it the ones that can control their destiny and plan long term are, are definitely doing better right now interesting john i was just uh we're, we're coming towards the end of our time but i i wanted to ask you how you see the future we're pretty in Enverus, we're pretty constructive on the oil price through the back end of this year and that's largely built around the threat of uh, sanctions on Russian production, which should keep global oil prices pretty, pretty mm -hmm. strong, and and gas the same. But you know there are a lot of looming recession risks. There's there's headwinds relating to other commodity rallies, um, monetary policy. You name it. There's there's quite a lot of uh, choppy waters out there. Can you see a pathway through to these high prices easing in in the OFS sector and? normalizing getting back to some sort of normality or, or is it just a, a contingency of the oil price 
So I think there's a bit of, of maybe a misconception in there, it, it even baked into your question there, Bill, too, in that we're not actually seeing pricing just yet return to, to what it was for some of these companies uh, to say like even 2018 levels. So there was such a large drop in pricing in the pandemic, during the pandemic, and and in the follow-up, call it, you know, six to six to eight months post-pandemic or post really March 2020 um, and the start of it, that that we're just now clawing back to a more normalized level. I would say that if you looked at the 4Q reporting of the call it 30, 35 different uh, public companies that we follow in the OFS space, there was a handful, four or five. That were actually profitable and that's very telling in the face of what we're hearing on the emp side and how much free cash flow that they're generating and and their their returns as it sits right now you know i mean that's obviously a big topic in the media for for how much money oil and gas as a as a as an emp as an operator side is making and but we're not seeing that same distribution and and same margin and spread on the ofs side we're just kind of getting back to that pricing that will actually make them healthy. And I think that's something that we've really been talking about as well, is that you have to have a symbiotic relationship in between these two sides of the industry because you've got one person who owns the well and you've got another person who does the work on the well, right? And these two different entities and you have to have both of them. And so we've we've kind of neglected one side of this for so long in, in the past, call it seven to eight years, as Mark alluded to, with that pricing and never really returned that we're overdue for a swing the other direction. And it's going to, to it's going to feel painful to get back to that, but it's also necessary or else we're going to completely continue to gut the OFS industry and you're going to end up with, you know, a large amount of consolidation and there's going to be one or two main players and then pricing is just going to be dictated to you. I love it. You're, you're fighting the corner for the OFS and that's, that's, that's great to hear. Very partisan. <laughs> awesome. So I think we're just about out of time here. So um, we'll wrap it up. Thanks, John and Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today, um, even if it was about inflation and a little bit of doom and gloom, but still some positive things to come out of it. Um, so yeah, thanks. And uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you very much for having us. Yep, we enjoyed it. Awesome. If you want to continue this conversation and learn more about Inveris' insights, please contact the Inveris team. This podcast was recorded on May 25th, 2022. Inveris Intelligence Research Incorporated provides leading energy industry research and is a subsidiary of Inveris, the largest SaaS company in the world solely dedicated to the energy market. Therefore, any company mentioned in this podcast may be a subscriber or client of Inveris Intelligence Research, Inveris, or their affiliates. However, any views expressed in this podcast accurately reflect the speaker's personal views about any subject securities referenced. The information contained in this recording is provided for information purposes only and is not to be used or considered as investment advice or recommendation or offer to buy, hold, or sell any securities or other financial instruments. Please visit www.enveris.com disclosures for additional information.